we're taking that up. Um, when I do the message this morning, I'm going to be inviting a couple of people up. They don't know who they are yet, so be ready, everybody. And I'm just going to get them to pray over certain little areas of the message uh, for this year. Uh, so that, and get us to stand up, so you'll be standing up and agreeing with them in prayer over certain things. One of the big things that God, I felt like, really talked to me about this year for myself, and I, I believe for the church as well, is this whole thing of turning around. Um, turning around. Turning things around in your life. Things where you feel like perhaps you've been slipping, where you feel like you're going in the, dire- in the wrong direction or where you don't even know you're going in the wrong direction but you're heading down that road. But a real, I guess, an emphasis to say, turn things around. You know what it's like. You, you'll hear, um, and, and no doubt it's true, it's been a really hard year, everyone's busy, everyone's this, everyone's under the pressure, all those sorts of things. But maybe we can turn that around this year. Maybe we can start to believe in God for miracles, for breakthrough, for, for amazing things to happen in this world and in our lives and in this church that we aren't busy anymore, that we aren't depressed anymore, that we aren't overwhelmed anymore, but the Spirit of God grabs hold of our heart and we begin to live out what God has declared over our life, that we are the head and not the tail, we are above and not beneath, that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, that we can be filled with His joy even in miserable circumstances because it's a joy and a peace that God gives that is not dependent on what is happening around us, but who God is. Perhaps we can begin to turn that around. Perhaps we can get, begin to turn around the, 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 um, the idea that you know, no one will become a Christian, that it's hard to talk about the gospel, but, but we could start to go, you know what, we're going to pray for souls. We're going to pray that God cultivates the soil, that the Holy Spirit hovers above it just as it hovered above the waters of the earth before God spoke and said, let there be dry land. Let there be stars. Let there be the sun. Let there be the moon. Let there be animals. Let there be plants. Let there be humans. But he actually created us in a special way. And Jesus Christ died for the church It says that God has given him the authority, in Ephesians it talks about it, that that he has given Christ the authority over all things for the benefit of the church, that we are now tapping into the authority of Christ and what he has for us, rather than thinking that, that we are in this battle alone, that our prayer lives could heat up, that we could actually believe what we pray rather than praying prayers of just desperation or prayers of indifference. Maybe that could happen. Maybe that could turn around. Maybe in your own personal life, the, the disconnection from God, could I turn that around? Could it, could it be that this year, the word of God comes alive in my life, that things turn around, that I am seeking God more fully than I have for many years, that my own prayer life is heating up. That my desire to share the gospel with those that are lost heats up because we always... We always hear things like, you know, it's hard in this place to share the gospel, but what if the Spirit of God is moving in a way where your words become the words of spirit and life to those around you? What if that could happen? 
I have no doubt that it can. Can, can you imagine the disciples huddled in, in a room, scared and afraid, and then Jesus walks in? And he talks to them, and, he's, and, and then he, he explains what's happened with him, that he's died, that he's risen to life, believe in me. That could we turn around a group of believers that gathered together in an upper room and were praying together, and, and that day 5,000 were added to them. 120 to 5,120 that day. Could it be possible that if we actually trust God and turn around our way of thinking that God could move with miraculous power on this earth? That he could move with miraculous power in our life? If only we just begin to turn things around. And what I love about the Bible is that it speaks so clearly and directly to our hearts that it shatters our opinion and gives us truth that we might live by it. And the letters to the churches that are in Revelation, the last chapter, sorry, the last book of the Bible, are very clear of what things are happening in the church. And, and today I just wanted to look at the church, one of the churches there. Laodicea, I think it is. Let's have a look. Laodicea. Because I really think that this speaks to the church today above any other church. But every time I read about the other churches, I always think the same thing. <laughs> and there's different churches that were written to here in Revelation, and, and the church of Laodicea is one of them. So let's read it. Revelation chapter 3, verse 14 to 22. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Laodicea. This is the message from the one who is the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's new creation. I know all the things that you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other, but since you're like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. You say, I'm rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. You don't realise that you're wretched and miserable and poor, and blind and naked. So I advise you to buy gold from me, gold that is being purified by fire, then you will be rich. Also buy white garments from me, so that you will not be shamed by your nakedness, and ointment for your eyes, so you'll be able to see. I correct and discipline everyone I love, so be diligent and turn from your indifference. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in, and we will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to what the Spirit, listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. As you read through that, or as you've read that this morning, how did you feel? Did you feel that this is speaking to you? that this might be speaking to the church of the day. If you do some study on it, you'll find so many commentators will talk about this church as being the church from the 1900s onwards. So while this is probably written to specific churches at the time, and Laodicea was mentioned um, when, when Paul wrote the, the letter to, the, to Colossae, that there's things that are transferable to now and, and there's timeless things in this as well. The church of indifference. Is that the church that we belong to? 
and things don't really matter all that much. I remember travelling through Florida quite a lot of years ago. I was with my family and in a car, obviously. <laughs> if we tra- well, it could, have, it could have been in a bus, I suppose, or a truck, boat, plane, who knows. But Florida's really flat, sort of like the central area of the Northern Territory, where you can drive for miles and miles, you can see for miles and miles, but there's not any marker around. And in Florida, it's like they have these things called... Um, uh, now I've forgotten, I was remembering down there, turnpikes. Big roads, big highways that go all over the place. But we were driving and I was totally lost. We had a map, it wasn't a great one. We, we sort of didn't have the GPS those days or anything like that and, and I was just lost. There was literally nothing that I could look at that would give me a landmark. It was just flat, flat and green. Just like the desert area is flat and red. You look for miles and, and, and if you pull off somewhere, you've got no idea where you're going. That's exactly what it was like there. And we stopped at a place where, they, where we're turning onto a turnpike and they're all toll roads there. said to the lady, I don't know where I am. Can you help me find my way? She said, what are you going to do? Over there they sort of say, what you're going to do is you're going to turn around. And she said that to me. She said, you can't turn around here, but guess what? She let me. Wasn't that really nice? So we turned around and we went back in the right direction. And what I want to ask you this morning is to really consider something very, very, very carefully. Are you going in the wrong direction? Have you stopped seeing what's around you? And, and this is the danger of lukewarmness, which God is talking about in, in, in the Word now. Laodicea was a funny place. It was a rich place, exactly as what he said there. That they were very rich from trading. In fact, they had to rebuild the city at one time and they refused help for anyone else because they had enough resource. They were known for an eye cell that, that could be put on eyes to heal eyes. And this comes very apparent when we, we read through the scripture of, of what that could mean when he talks about you are poor, you're wretched, you're naked and blind. Because the other thing that they were famous for was fine clothes. There was a worm that could be squished and they'd get a purple dye out of it. They'd make these beautiful fine clothes and, and they were very, very expensive. So on the surface of things, it seemed like they had everything. They had their riches... They had their ointment, their health, their sight. They had fine clothes, but they weren't white. And God was saying there needs to be a change. It was also fed by a spring of lukewarm water. So their water supply was lukewarm. It wasn't hot, it wasn't cold, it was lukewarm. They'd understand exactly what it was like to drink lukewarm water. Not pleasant at all. So here this year is a challenge to us as a church. Are we just lukewarm? Are we just lukewarm? And I'd hate to think that that's what we are because what God says there is that because you're lukewarm, I'm just going to spew you out of my mouth. In other words, I've got no need for you. You're useless to the kingdom of God. I don't want to be like that and I'm sure you don't want to be as well. Lukewarmness. You can't feel anything. At least cold makes you shiver, so you're aware of what's going on. Hot water will burn you and touch your senses. 
But something that is lukewarm means that we ignore what is going on around us and we don't know that either we've backslidden or we're fervent for the things of God because we, we are doing enough. We are doing enough. And we feel like that's all we have to do. Okay, guys, let's stand up and pray. So I want you to join with me in this prayer. And we're going to pray against lukewarmness in our own life. Father God, I just want to thank you so much that you sent Jesus Christ to die for us. Father, I'm praying right now in the name of Jesus Christ for this church. Lord, I'm praying in the name of Jesus that we would know hot and cold. Lord, that when we are sliding back, we would be convicted and move forward back to you. When we were on fire, that we could feel that zeal of God flowing in us. But Lord, in the name of Jesus, I just pray that one thing we would never be is lukewarm. And we declare this year, Father God, over this church, that the heat will turn up. Lord God, that this will be a church of passion that's on fire for you, that loves the things of the Spirit of God, that is committed to holiness and living right before you. And we just want to thank you for it now in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay. Sit down, guys, again. You can imagine when Paul wrote this letter that when he was talking to this church in Laodicea that once this church was alive and vibrant and healthy, they were living for God in a way that that made a difference in the world around them. But somehow they had lost their further, they had become lax in life, they had become indifferent to what is happening around. And may this cause us all to take stock today. The thing is that as we look at that church, he's saying, I know your works, that often a church will look like it's doing very well. Because on the outside, there's things that are happening. There's programs happening. There's, there, there might even be growth. There might be other things happening. But you know what? There's a big difference between what we think of ourselves and what Jesus thinks of us, of what we're doing. We can only read the reports of what is happening, but Jesus actually knows. It's no different than when God chose King David to be the king of Israel because because when Samuel the prophet was sent, God gave him the, the, the job of picking this king and he looked at all the sons and he said, you know, all these sons of Jesse, it surely must be this one, no? Surely must be this one, no. Surely must be this one. But there was one son missing, David, out in the fields. And at the end he's like, have you got another son? Have you got another son? And what God said is, you, you as people look on the outward appearance of man, but I look on the heart. I can see the truth of what is going on. And we need to understand that that when we think we're doing well, we need to remember that we have to go back to Jesus. We have to say, Jesus, what is it about my life right now that might need to change? Jesus, where is it that I'm going in the wrong direction? Jesus, where is it I'm lost in this desert without direction and I need a sign? God, what is happening? You see, if I was in the desert and all of a sudden I I had to reach a desert town and all of a sudden I see the coast and the sea and rainforests, I've got to 
got an idea that I'm in the wrong place. And what will happen is things will, will change in our life. There's a lack of real love for God and for people. There becomes a soulful indifference or carelessness about our faith. We're not careful anymore. Isaac, please come up. Can you just pray? We'll take that microphone maybe. Get Isaac to pray, guys. Let's stand up again. I'm sorry to do this to you. Actually, I'm not. <laughs> Hello? Yep. Isaac, I'd like you to pray that we would seek Christ so that we can find out what he's thinking and, and that we can change if we need to. Yep. Jesus. Father, we just come before you this morning, Lord. Jesus. Lord, I thank you, Father God, that you begin to lead this church, Father God, into places of intimacy with you, Lord. Places, Father God, where we're comfortable to be still before you, Lord. We become familiar with your voice again, Jesus. Father God, I thank you, Lord Jesus. As Neil prayed, Father, I thank you, Lord God, that you lead us into a place again, Father God, where you are the first thing on our mind, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And God, as we go to sleep thank at night, you, Father God, that we dwell on thoughts of you, Father, yes, of pursuing Lord. you, Lord, you, of yes, growing Lord. in you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Father God, I ask that you would open our ears again, Father God, that we would hear with clarity, Father, your direction, Lord God. Yes, Lord You're beckoning back into places of intimacy with you again, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Father, even now, Lord God, I ask for your presence to begin to rest on people, Lord God, that have felt distant, Lord, have felt disengaged, Lord God. Right now, I ask for your Holy Spirit to rest on people, Father, to begin to move upon them, Lord God, to quicken your spirit within them again, Lord God to cause them to want to come closer to you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit that's with oh, all of us, thank Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, just for that change of heart this year, Lord. Mm, thank you, Lord Jesus. You're so good to us, Jesus. Yeah. Amen. Okay. Amen. Thank you, Isaac. I suppose I could hold it here. So what does indifference look like in a church? <laughs> Pretty much, as we said before, it's neither hot nor cold. It's not disreputable. The people aren't sinning willfully and, and all the time, but at the same time, there's no distinguished holiness in the place. It's like there's this good maintenance of some sort of level but what the call what the world might call a moderate church it's respectable but it's not at all excited about the things of the spirit welcoming but not challenging it's the sort of place where you'd have prayer meeting 
with very few present. It's much, much better to have a quiet night at home. You'll have things like your Sunday school and kids' church and other programs, and, but there's no energy in them, and so nothing ever results from it. You have elders without passion for the things of the Spirit, preacher without fire that doesn't really care about the things of God. Everything's done in a half-hearted way, out of obligation or duty, rather than a service for God, without counting it as something precious, as something valuable that we can actually serve God. No pleasure in serving Christ. It's not done with all your heart, your soul, your strength and your might. So you turn up to Sunday school unprepared, not knowing the lesson, not praying for the kids. You come to church without preparing your heart for the things of God. So it's not so cold as that you're going to abandon or give it up, but not so hot that you're praying for conversions, for holiness, not zealous enough to make Satan angry that he's just fine with you being the church that you are. There's a limit to the things we're going to give up in the world. So, so we've given our life to Christ, but we're definitely not going to follow him all the way. That there's things that are challenging us. There's, there's things in our life where we know we need to give it up. But there's this line we won't cross, but we're not all in with Jesus. We're not so greedy as to be called miserly, so we'll give some, but we will give as little as we can to the cause of Christ. Counting it is not the most important thing. We're not going to forsake the poor, but we want to be seen with those that are well-to-do, those that are prosperous. We want our kids to go to the best of everything, and we pursue after that where compromise is the order of the day. I don't have to live the way that God says. I can compromise. Shannon, please come up. Shannon, I just would like you to pray for a heart of fire in service to God in building his kingdom. Please, let's stand again. Hello. Father, we just want to thank you and praise you here this morning. Lord, we just want to thank you that you have placed a purpose and a fire in each of us. And Lord, I just pray that it is ignited. Mm, yes, it comes to life Thank within you, us, Father. Yes, and we know, we know exactly what it is that we need to do. But, Father, above all, I pray mm. that we press in, yes, that we don't look behind, we look forward. Yes, Lord and, Lord, I just thank you that you will equip us to do everything we need to do and you're calling us and we will hear you. Yes, Father. And I just pray for that Holy Spirit fire right now. Yes, Father. Be ignited. Thank you, Jesus. Be ignited Lord, in your people. Your Let us Lord, feel God, you, Jesus, Father. Let us yes, know Thank you, Father. that we need to turn towards you in Jesus' mighty name. Yes, Lord. Thank, Thank you. you, Jesus. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, guys.
Now, here's the danger, guys, of being indifferent. And many a church has fallen into it. There's no doubt about that. The things of faith don't really matter. As I said before, there's enough activity. There's enough connection to Christ. You'll attend church, but just enough so that you're not out. So you're not going to be absent from the house of God, but you'll come as seldom as you can. People, we don't want to be that church where compromise is the order of the day. That it's as if something has come out to command us, just compromise a little bit. I want to read you something that's really, really scary to me. And the reason I'm reading it is me and Joe are going through a book at the moment. It's about bringing your children back to Christ, your grown children back to Christ. And, and we decided, you know what, this, this year, this is last year, and moving forward, we want to make such a big effort to make sure that our adult children are following Jesus. How do we do that? This is a massive problem in the church, guys. And, and I'll read this in a minute. You'll be horrified. But how many parents are sitting here today with adult children that have drifted away from God? I bet you there's lots. Probably every parent has one kid at least like that. Let's have a look at some percentages of of what's happening because there's a battle for the souls of our children and yet our prayers are not white hot. We're not engaged in warfare for the souls of our children and the people in this city. I'm pointing no fingers because I know what I'm like. I know when I'm hot. I know when I'm cold. I'm glad I know that. But I don't want to be lukewarm because then I'll think everything's just A-OK and I don't need to change. And we'll be talking about prayer a little bit later on in a year and another message. But when we look at the Bible, when it talks about prayer, it says, the fervent prayer of the righteous man or woman avails much. Fervent equals white hot. And our hearts will need to be moved in this area if we want to see God break through. We cannot pray in different prayers. We cannot pray prayers of, like I said just before, that, that have no impact on heaven. We need to pray white hot, believing for God to move. Because we do know without faith it's impossible to please God. And our prayers need to be of faith because as soon as we get into faith, what does it say? If I have the faith even as the size of a mustard seed, I can say to this mountain, get up, get into the sea and it will do it. We lost this passion for prayer because we don't believe it's actually going to happen. We don't have this desire in our soul because we don't think God will move. Why? Because we're lukewarm. We're okay, mate. But we're not okay, mate. She'll be right is a terrible, terrible saying, really. She'll be right, mate. Don't worry about it. 
You don't need to pray. You don't need to go to church. You don't need to serve God. You don't need to give. All you need to do is believe in Jesus. That is true. But it's also not true. Because when we say all you need to do is believe in Jesus, sometimes just means this. You have to believe that he exists. But when you actually believe in a cause, what do you do? You fight for it. When you believe in Jesus, you give up your old way and walk into a new life. In fact, Jesus went so far as to say, if a man or woman gives up their life for the gospel's sake, they will receive much more. And he even said that you must die that you might live. And I don't think that that challenge is there enough for us sometimes. Can you die to self? Can you give up your selfish ways so that you can follow after Jesus? Because we often think that selfish means hoarding and greedy, but no, selfish means this, I'm going to do what I want, not what Jesus wants. It's putting you before him. It's reading the word of God about not committing certain sins and going out and doing it anyway because you're right, it's okay, God's grace will cover it. And thank goodness for his grace. But let's have a look at statistics for young people. This is Tom Rayner, a researcher in America. And he did a, a, a study to determine what percentage of Americans claim to be Christians based upon having put their faith in Christ. Okay, here's what he found. This is American, but I don't think it's much different here. Among Americans born between 1946, before, sorry, before 1946, 65% identified themselves as Christians and were able to articulate the basics of the gospel. For those born between 1946 and 1964, the number dropped to 35%. For those born between 1965 and 1976, there's a battle going on. If you heard that, if you had someone here from another country standing before you and asking you for money to support their mission in their country that had 10% Christian, you'd all be going, I'm in. Support me. Let me help you build a church. Let me help you train pastors. But we're talking about our country where it's quite possible that it's at least the same as America, where only 4% of those people that are born after that date, 1994, have believed in Christ Jesus for salvation. Can we see that this is the mission field for us? We should be going to Africa and saying, hey guys, we know that you know, 70% of your population has believed in Jesus. Can you support us? We have lost our way. Our children are not believing in Jesus. They're not following him. They're not trusting him. And I wonder sometimes if it's because they're living in a lukewarm church where it really doesn't matter. 
because God is not the first priority in the lives of their parents or the communities of Christians that they live in. Can you understand what I'm saying? Can I understand it? Can that hit my heart very deeply, please, Lord Jesus, today? And God is basically saying, are you in? Or are you out? Lukewarmness is not an option with your faith. It's far too important to leave to chance. It's far too important to believe that it's far far more important to finish that Netflix series than pray. Not saying we don't have fun and live our life. Of course we do. It's part of what we do as Christians. We continue to live here. We live in this world, but we're not of the world that that there's something different about us, that we understand that we need God to be in control of our life. And and it's very easy to sit here today and, and probably, you know what the hardest church to preach to would be? This is from Spurgeon. He said, I can go into a church and preach to a hot church. That's awesome. He said, I'd rather go and preach in a cold church where when the the message is brought, the people are brought back to repentance to say, God, I need you. He says, but preaching in a lukewarm church develops no response at all because everybody thinks it's all okay. I don't need to change. Matt Koenig, please. This is our last prayer, guys, and then we're going to finish. I want you to stand with Matt, and and Matt, I just want you to pray that we would be on fire for him this year, that we would lose the indifference, that we would allow ourselves to be challenged, whatever else (laughs) you want to pray. But people, this is really important for you to engage with this prayer. Really important that you engage with this prayer. How do you engage with prayer from the front? When Matt says something that you're like, yeah, that's what I need in my life, go, yes, Lord. Say amen. Yeah, that's right, God. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus, when he says something that's magnificent, where it's like, God, you're so glorious. You go, yeah, that's right, God. You're amazing. That's how you engage with prayer from the congregation. When Matt prays something, you agree with it wholeheartedly. You say, yeah, that's me. I want that this year. I want that this year, Jesus. Do it in my life. Thank you, Matt. Lord Jesus, I just want to thank you for the cross. Thank you, Lord. I love you. I thank you that we are here because you gave up your son for us. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. And God, I thank you for your spirit that you sent Mm. that enables us to do the things that you're calling us to do. I thank you that you're inviting us into your mission, into your purpose. Yes, Lord. God, I just pray that your spirit would fall on this place, that it would fall on the members of this church yes, as Lord. people walk Father through the door, that their hearts Jesus. would be set Father afire God. with yes, love thank for you. you. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you. God, I thank you for your grace mm. that just washes us white as snow, even the dirtiest ones of us. Mm. And I thank you for that forgiveness, God, and I pray that we grab hold of that forgiveness. Yes, Father. And that you would set our hearts on fire for you. Yes, in Jesus' name. Thank that we would be burning white hot. That every yes, every 
Thank you, Father. thing that comes against you would just disappear because yes. you have our hearts on fire for you, yes, Lord Father. Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. That we wouldn't need to do anything or, mm. or act in a particular way because it's just you burning in our yes, hearts God, into the society around us. Lord God, we pray yes, for this Lord community Jesus. around us. I thank you for the places that you've put each one of us into and I pray that we wouldn't you, just let that be part of what we do but that you would be in everything that we do. Yes, Father, that you would be simple. Thank you, Jesus. Lord God, that you would move in this place. Yes, Father. Thank you. Lord God, that we wouldn't just be going through the motions. No, Lord. (laughs) That every day when we put our feet on the floor, the first thing we do is we think of you. Yes, Father. And we commit the day to you and we look to what it is that you want us to do. Yes, Father. And God, if there are things in our hearts that that we need to let go of, God, that we've got ultimate control of, God, I just pray for each one of us this morning that, that we would lay them at the foot of your cross. Yes, Father. That you would do Jesus. with the things of our lives whatever you want to do. God, because ultimately this is all about you. Yeah, this right. is not about us. This is not about it's making us look good. Right. This is about making you yes. great. Salvation for us. Yes. And God, I thank you for this church. I thank you that this church is a beacon in this society. I thank you for that cross on the wall there that's been lit up with Christmas lights that, that have drawn people into this place. And I pray that, that that cross would continue to light a fire in this yes, community Father. and it would burn yes. in our hearts and would shine out as we go into the society around us, Lord yes, God. Thank you, Jesus. Lord God, I pray that we wouldn't be blind to the things of you. Yes, that's right that our ears would be open, ready to hear what it is that you you want us to do, that we would hear your voice telling us what we need to do, who we need to yes, speak to, you, the actions that we need to take. That's right. Thank you, Lord. God, help yes. us to be your hands and your feet and be white yes. hot in that. Thank you, Lord. Let us not be lukewarm. Yes. But just set our hearts on fire, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. Help us to fix our eyes on you in all things to find our joy in you, Thank you Lord. to find our purpose in you, to find everything that we need, everything that we're lacking yes, Lord. in you. That's it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Let's give God a hand, eh? Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you for your gift of salvation. Hallelujah, Jesus. Yeah, amen. And maybe this morning that you're like feeling that you are lukewarm or maybe even cold to the things of God. I just want to open up the front. If that's you this morning, please don't hide. Don't waste opportunity to just come up the front and we'll just pray and pray for that fire of God to fill you this year and to give you the strength and courage. Yeah, come. Hey guys, um, Neil mentioned the country before that I've seen the reaction on faces that are desperate. Our problem, one of our problems in our society is we've got a backup system that supports everything that we need. That's our problem. The blessing has become the curse. In this country that I've visited many times, There were people outside waiting to see doctors and nurses, hundreds of them lined up 
and a group of us went and prayed. About 20 of them were left. They walked home, healed. A pastor said to me, if we don't believe what you tell us about God, we die. We've got a system here that looks after us, but what about God? These people need God, not just for healing, but for salvation. The world can't give that. We've got a God that can move mountains. Mm. We've got a God that created everything, that holds everything in his hand. Yeah. What do we think? That he's just a guy walking around that did a few signs? He's creator. Yeah. We've got to lift up our eyes. We've got to believe what this says. What Neil said this morning. Lift up our eyes every morning we get out. God, you're in control. You lead my life. You direct me. You use me to touch this world. Yeah. We've got to be on our knees praying for things around us. Yeah. There's a prayer here. I want to read out the Paul prays for the saints. Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers that the God of the Lord Jesus Christ the Father of glory may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of his glory of his inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. That's the God that we live with, that has put his spirit in us, and by his spirit, we can display his glory to a world that does not know. Yeah. Amen. 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 Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Lynn. Yeah. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name's Fred Munro. Um, I just want to say thank you to my brothers and sisters in Christ, especially Andrew and Lynn Kernich, who brought me to this church last week. I've um, had some very interesting experiences in the last few weeks. I don't want to go into them now. But one thing I do want to say to you is um, I was brought up a Catholic, and I'm not here to knock the Catholic Church. I was... Um, you know, did my first confession, communion, being baptised in that church. And um, 
taken a uh, confirmation name. I had an uncle who was a priest. And one thing, I don't know if you've, you've ever been into a cathedral of, of those churches, and I noticed this especially here. When you look up at that cross, there's no Christ on that cross. But if you go into the Catholic Church, he's still nailed to it. And as you know, our faith relies on the fact that he is no longer there, that he has been he was taken down from that cross and spent three days in the belly of the earth. And then on the third day he arose. And then as the pastor alluded to, he appeared to his apostles. And even then you had one that doubted, Thomas. He said, Lord, unless I feel the wounds in your hands, in your side and in your feet, I will not believe it's you. And the Lord let him feel those wounds. And then he ate a meal with them. So yes, he is down from that cross. Mm. And there it is. And that's what your faith revolves around. I've heard a lot, um, somebody mentioned the dirty world, a good pastor here. And I've got to tell you, I spent two months in America, and today's not about America bashing. And people ask me, how was it? And I said, you know, the most overriding impression I got is it's past its use by date. There's a, it's, there's a lot of good things there, but you go to the big cities and the, for a country as wealthy as it is, it's very dirty in places. I mean, there's a lot of beauty too. And like a lot of, you know, the wealthiest country in the world and there's so much poverty there. I've seen people, whole suburbs where people live in poverty and yet they're in the richest country on earth. I mean, we, you know, as Christ said, the poor will be with us always. But anyway... I just want to say thank you and thank you for the opportunity to speak. <laughs> Thanks, Fred. Thank you, Jesus. All right. If you want prayer, please come forward. Don't hesitate. I'm going to pray the fire of God on you. Pray Holy Spirit just fills you. You feel his presence today. And, and you know, part of being lukewarm is you just got no feelings. You hate God, but you don't love him. And this morning, perhaps, as we pray the Holy Spirit to just fill you and, and just touch you anew, that would just be awesome. In Jesus' name.